0: in the Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and we'll begin reading from verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, who, which has made a heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy ser- servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken every where they were assembled together, for all filled with the holy ghost and they spake the word of god with boldness let's open with a word of prayer dear lord and heavenly father we thank you lord for uh, the opportunity once again to come around your word lord i pray that this morning as we continue our study in the book of acts that lord you would undertake that lord you would um, be honored you'd be glorified lord i pray that this morning it would be your words it would be your thoughts that, Lord, you would empower me through the Holy Spirit and speak through me this morning. I pray that you would teach us through your word, may we receive a blessing from it this morning, and may we leave, Lord, uh, knowing that we'd be in your presence, Lord, and giving all glory and honor back unto you. We pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, of course, we saw the beginning of the persecution of the early church, okay? The persecution had begun, of course, with Peter and John being arrested, thrown in prison overnight, and then brought before the Sanhedrin to be questioned. And the Sanhedrin had asked them, you know, by whose power, whose name, they had healed the lame man. And Peter, of course, had stood up and boldly responded to them, declaring unto them that it was in the name of Christ. He says, you want to know by whose name, by whose power, authority, we healed this man in the name of Christ, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the one you crucified, the one you put on the cross. And this, of course, you know, was not something the Sanhedrin wanted to hear. You know, as you said last week, you can imagine them all cringing at the name of Jesus. And so we see that they responded by threatening Peter and John to stop preaching. They threaten them, they tell them to stop preaching, stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John, they refused to comply, they refused to obey this command from the Sanhedrin. And their reason for disobeying was because the Sanhedrin was telling them to do something contrary to God's word. You know, God had commanded them to preach and teach the gospel unto all nations, and here the Sanhedrin was telling them to stop. And so, if they obeyed the Sanhedrin, they would be sinning, wouldn't they? They'd be disobeying God. You know, Peter and John understood the principle that they must obey God rather than men. You know, it's following this. But the Sanhedrin, of course, threatens them one more time and then lets them go. Okay? And this is because their hands are tied, basically. They can't harm them because of the people. We saw that in verse 21. It says in verse 21, uh, So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Now, so basically, their hands are tied. The people are glorifying God. The people are... Uh, have recognized what Peter and John have done they've recognized us in the name of Jesus and really to harm them now would have been uh, counterproductive and so they couldn't they threatened them they'd let them go and once they are free Peter and John you now they immediately returned to be with the other believers they returned to be with their brethren with their fellow apostles verse 23 it says and being let go they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them So they go and meet with the rest of the apostles, the other believers, and they fill them in on all that's taken place. They fill them in on the events. And they fill them in on the threats that they have received from the Sanhedrin. And immediately upon hearing these things, we see their response. Now, The response of this group of brethren here, these believers, the response of the early church here is to pray. They go to the Lord in prayer, and the prayer that follows is one of the great examples in the Word of God of prayer. And so this morning I want us to look at their prayer and see there are six aspects of this prayer, um, as we consider this prayer, and also see that you know those aspects are something we should follow in our own prayer lives today. Notice firstly, if you would, this morning that their prayer was unified. It was unified. Verse 24 it says, and when they heard that. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, "Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is." Now as we begin to look at this prayer, the very first thing we see here is that their prayer was united. It was a united prayer. It says in verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now it wasn't disjointed. It didn't have some people praying for one thing and some praying for another. And praying against each other, it was a collective prayer, it was of one accord. This is a united prayer meeting of the believers. Praying together fervently with one purpose in mind, one goal. They were petitioning the throne of grace. You know, this is not the first time that we've seen the early church praying together with one accord. Just turn back to chapter 1. In chapter 1 verse 14. Read this, it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. It says these all continued with one accord in prayer. It's a very similar phrase, isn't it? Very similar to what we read in Acts chapter four. You see that they were in prayer with one accord, they were unified, they were together in prayer. In Acts chapter two, verse forty two as well. Acts 2 verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. We saw that they would gather together in prayer and it was essential elements of the early church's worship. We saw that when we looked at Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. We looked at the fact that there was essential elements, things that were part of their worship together. And one of those was prayer, this, this idea of getting together to pray Together. You see, this early church, you know, these, these believers here, they understood the value of united prayer. They understood the value of praying together with one accord. Because they'd seen the Lord already answer this kind of prayer. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they were praying that the Lord would give them leading as to who should replace Judas, okay, as to who should be the 12th apostle. And the Lord led them to choose Matthias. Okay, the Lord answered that prayer, that collective prayer, that prayer they were praying together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they were praying together in unison. They were praying for the Lord's work. They were praying the Lord would continue to work through them. At the end of the chapter, it says that the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The Lord answered their prayer. Souls were saved. Souls were added to the church. The Lord gave the increase. The point is they'd already witnessed the power of united prayer. they already witnessed the power of praying together in unison. And so now they once again go to the Lord in prayer in unison, petitioning the Lord once again. They want to see that same power of God. You know, united prayer as a body of believers really is one of the mightiest weapons that God has given to the church. Praying together, petitioning the throne of grace together with a common cause knowing union uni, unison sorry we all are praying for the same purpose you know whether that is gathering together to pray on you know a weeknight at prayer meeting or whether that is just during the week all praying with a common purpose you know this week we had that news from pastor brad that you know jacob's brother's wife was in hospital gravely ill and we were praying petitioning the throne of grace all together with one accord now the lord's Answer was not the answer that obviously most of us probably wanted. No, but the Lord's in control, isn't he? The Lord knows. But we petition the throne of grace together collectively. And that's the whole point here. They were praying with one accord. They had a common purpose, a common goal in their prayer. You see, that's the kind of prayer that God hears. It's the prayer that God responds to. As I said, not always with the answer we want, but God does hear and God does answer. You know, division always hinders prayer. When there's division amongst the body of believers and we're not praying united together, then it hinders prayer. It hinders the power of the church. But when we are united, when we pray with one accord, one heart, one mind, the Lord is pleased. The Lord hears. The Lord answers that prayer. You know, that's certainly the case here in Acts chapter 4 as they come before the Lord and they pray with one accord. God hears this prayer. God hears this prayer and he answers this prayer. And secondly, we see not only was it unified, but it was also directed. It was secondly here, directed. Verse 24 again. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God in accord and said, Lord, thou art God, made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You see, secondly, now, not only did they pray in unison, but they also prayed with direction. Their prayer was directed in faith to the Almighty God. They knew who they were praying to. Now we read that they began their prayer here with the words, Lord, thou art God. Now the word Lord here is not the usual word that you find in the New Testament. Okay, most places where you see the word Lord, translated from the Greek, it's not this word. Okay, This one is unique. It's found only a few times. You see, this word in the Greek speaks of a slave owner or a ruler who has absolute power. Power that cannot be questioned. Absolute power over you, over everything. It's the idea that someone is sovereign. The point is that when they pray here, they are praying, directing their prayer to the absolute sovereign God. Now, Darren this morning spoke about the the importance of knowing the names of God so we can pray accordingly. That's what these believers do here. They pray acknowledging the fact that God is sovereign. That's what this word Lord is speaking about. It's the fact that he is the all-ruling, all-powerful, sovereign one. He has absolute authority. So they understood who their God was. They understood who they were directing their prayer to. That is why they were able to pray with such confidence. When you understand who you're directing your prayer to, you can pray with confidence, can't you? Because you know that you know who they are and what they're like. You see, as they faced here the beginning of the persecution of the church, they prayed with confidence to their Lord, the sovereign God, the one who's in control. They prayed to him. Not only did they acknowledge him as sovereign, but also we see here they acknowledge him as creator. The creator. In verse 24, it says, Thou art God which hast made heaven and earth, sea, and all that in them is. They also acknowledge God as being the creator, the one who made heaven and earth, the sea, the lands, all that we see around us. And once again, this knowledge gives them confidence as they pray. I mean, after all, if the one you're praying to is sovereign and he is the creator, what do you have to fear? the point here okay they're facing persecution persecution is starting and as they pray they say lord you are sovereign you are creator what do we have to fear they're acknowledging who god is you see there is direction here their prayer is directed to the sovereign creator and likewise you know when we pray we need to pray who and sorry knowing who we are directing our prayer to might seem like a bit of a silly statement but Darren's already pointed out clearly what that means it's the fact that we understand who God is that we understand what he is like so that when we pray we can pray accordingly pray according to that knowledge you know too often we pray not really considering who God is not really giving a second thought we do just we sort of just say in his name we sort of just Say it, don't we? We don't really consider who he is. We don't really consider his power, his authority. We don't really consider who it is that we're praying to. Or worse yet, we pray having a misconception about who God is. Having a misconception about what he's going to do, how he's going to act. See, only when we understand who God is, can we direct our prayers accordingly. It fits in so much so perfectly with what Darren was Preaching about this morning, understanding his names, understanding his attributes, basically, what he's like, so that we can then pray accordingly. See, these believers did this. They understood that their God was sovereign, that he was created, and now they pray according to that knowledge. They understood who they were praying to. Thirdly, we see that their prayer was scriptural. Their prayer was scriptural. Verse 25, it says, Who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage? And imagine vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined. Before to be done, see, further here we see that they pray, their prayer is scriptural, it's based on the word of God. Okay, it was unified, it was directed, and it was scriptural. But their prayer here is based solely on a knowledge of God's word, and in particular, here it's Psalm 2. They're quoting from Psalm. 2 Here, as they pray unto the Lord, let's just go to Psalm 2 and read it as it's written there. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. It keeps going on, but verse 1 and 2 in particular is where they're quoting from. They're quoting these two verses as they pray to the Lord. And you know, Psalm 2 here describes the revolt of the nations against the Lord, against His anointed, it's Christ. And Psalm 2 is fulfilled perfectly as Christ is rejected. And these believers acknowledge that. They understand that here. Look in verse 27. It says, For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Now the believers here, they understand that Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm that is perfectly fulfilled in Christ. That Christ has indeed been rejected. Now it was fulfilled as Herod, Pilate, the Gentile, Jews gathered together against Christ, against the Lord's anointed. You see, the point is that the believers here they understood that what had happened to Christ was according to God's plan. Okay, they've just said they've just acknowledged God as sovereign, as the creator, and now they look and they see in God's word that God said that this would happen to Christ. You know, David had prophesied through the spirits that these events would happen, that the nations would revolt, that Herod, Pilate, all these ones would revolt against the Lord, against His anointed. You see, it hadn't surprised God. God was in control of it all. God was sovereign. They understood that the enemies of Christ, therefore, could only do unto Christ what God had determined to be done. That's verse 28. It says, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. They acknowledge here that God was in control. They understand. You said that this would happen, that they would reject Christ, and you determined that these things would be done. They understood that you know the Jews, those who rejected Christ, could only do to Christ what God allowed them to do, what God had determined to be done. You see, an understanding of this truth brings real peace, doesn't it? An understanding that God is in complete control and that basically they were just carrying out God's will brings real peace, doesn't it? That knowledge, that understanding. And you see the disciples here, they understand that this same truth now applies to the situation they are facing. This same truth applies. God already knew that they would face opposition. God already knew that they would be rejected as Christ was rejected. And God had already determined what their enemies were allowed to do unto them. God was in control. That, that's their understanding here as they pray this. They're understanding this truth. God is in control. The situation is in his hands and so they pray with a knowledge of his word. They're praying in accordance with this knowledge. You know, the word of God and prayer must always go together. When we pray, we need to pray based on our knowledge of God's revealed word, what he has told us in the word, his promises, the prophecies, all these things. We pray with the knowledge of those. We pray God's word back under him. We recite these words under him. You see, the prayer that is based on a revealed word of God is a prayer that God will answer. Because we're praying in accordance with what he said. We're saying, Lord, you said this in your word, and therefore I'm praying in accordance with that. I'm praying in accordance with what you've told me in your word. And that certainly was the case here with these believers. They understood the truth of God's word, and they pray accordingly. We see, fourthly, that their prayer was definite. It was definite. Verse 29 says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. We see that their prayer was unified, that it was directed, it was scriptural. And now, fourthly, we see that it was definite. They make a definite request here of the Lord. They ask the Lord in verse 29 to give them boldness to speak. word it says and now Lord behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word you see with the knowledge that God is sovereign the knowledge they got from his word that God is in control of the situation they are facing they now pray Lord give us boldness Lord we understand you are sovereign we understand according to your word that you are in control of this situation Lord, now give us boldness. Give us boldness as we go forth to continue to preach and teach in the situation we face. Now, it's really interesting here, isn't it? They don't pray for their circumstances to be changed. They don't pray for deliverance. They don't pray for you know, the Sanhedrin to be removed from office. They rather pray for power to continue to accomplish God's will in the the situation they face, knowing that it's God's will, knowing that God is in control. Now, the situation before them was one of persecution. But instead of praying for escape, they pray for enablements. They pray for power to accomplish God's will. Now, this really is a demonstration of their faith, isn't it? It's a demonstration of their faith in the sovereignty of God. Their faith in the promises of God in His word. They're now exercising faith, aren't they? They're saying, okay, Lord, that's what you've said. Now, Lord, give us boldness as we face this to keep working, keep serving you. Philip's, uh, Philip Brooks wrote this. He said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. And I thought it was a really good quote because it's exactly what the believers do here, isn't it? Instead of praying for, you know, their task to be lessened, they pray for power to accomplish the task that they faced. They pray for power equal to the problem before them. And they make a definite request here of the Lord, a request that is in accordance with what? Their knowledge of who God is and their knowledge of God's word. That's where this request stems from. And beloved, that's exactly how we ought to pray even today. When we pray, we need to pray with a definite request in mind, but that request needs to be based upon what our knowledge of God and our knowledge of His Word. Because you see, these are the, the requests that God hears. These are the requests that God answers because it's in accordance with His will. Now, the requests that we bring before the Lord, you know, they're not to be selfish requests. We're not to come praying for our own personal selfish wants and desires, are we? Not to pray according to our wants, our thoughts, our desires, but rather we are to pray requests that are according to his will. They are to be requests that stem from our knowledge of Him and our knowledge of His Word, the promises that He's given to us. And when we do, when we pray that way, we know that God will hear, we know that God will answer. Why? Because it's a prayer that's in accordance with His will. Turn to first John chapter five. 1 John 5 and verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He will answer that prayer. See, that's the prayer that God hearkens to, a prayer that's according to His will. And so if we're praying in accordance with who He is and what He has told His Word, then we're praying according to His will. Our prayer is going to be led by the Spirit. Our prayer is going to be as He wants it to be, a request based on, his, on who He is and on His Word. It's a prayer that God will answer because it is according to His will. Fifthly, now we see that it was a prayer that was Christ-honoring. It was Christ-honoring. Acts 4, verse 30. It says, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. We see now that their prayer was also one that was Christ-honoring. In verse 30, they prayed that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Jesus. You see, their desire in all this is that Christ would continue to be lifted up. That Christ's name would be magnified, that he would be glorified through it all. Again, we see here that their prayer is not a selfish one, is it? It's not a selfish request. You know, they didn't pray for boldness, they didn't pray for power so that they might be glorified before the people. They didn't pray for boldness and power so that the church might be glorified, you know, so that people might leave them alone. That wasn't their reason for this prayer. Rather, it was so that the name of Jesus might be magnified, so that Christ might be glorified. Now, they want a boldness to go forth and speak in his name. They want a boldness to continue to go forth and perform miracles in his name, so that people might turn and worship him. Again, this is the attitude that their prayer was prayed with. And this is why they're answered, because they prayed for his glory. You know, already Peter and John had seen this happen through their ministry. You know, they, the name of Jesus was magnified as they healed the lame, lame men. They were very careful, weren't they? Point the people to Jesus to magnify the Lord. And as the believers pray here, that is still their focus. Their focus is the name of Jesus. The prayer is for continued boldness so that he might continue to be glorified. The same is true even today when we pray, we are to pray for His glory. We are to pray for His glory, His honour, that His name be magnified. You know, this is to be the focus of every prayer request we bring before Him. You know, our focus should not be our wants, it shouldn't be our desires, should it? it should be His glory. That He is magnified. You know, in John 14 verse 14, we're told that if we ask anything in his name, that he will answer. Let's just turn to John chapter 14. John 14 verse 14, it says, If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in his name implies that it's according to his will and it's for his glory. God will, God will hear that prayer. Christ will answer. No, Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Turn over there, Matthew 6. Even Christ points glory and honor unto the Father. Matthew 6, verse 9 says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Give us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. In verse 10 in particular, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as is in heaven. It's a prayer that he would be magnified, that he would be glorified. And that is, the pra- that is how our prayers are to be structured, that we are to pray for his glory. Now, a prayer that seeks glory for ourselves will not be answered. That's just a simple fact, isn't it? A prayer that seeks glory for ourselves will not be answered. You know, that kind of prayer simply demonstrates that our heart is not right before the Lord. Our, our focus is all wrong, isn't it, as we pray. But, beloved, when our hearts are right before Him and we pray that He gets the honor, that He gets the glory, that's a prayer that God will hear, God will answer. Weasby in his commentary wrote this, he said, The glory of God, not the needs of men, is the highest purpose of answered prayer. That is the purpose of answered prayer, isn't it? Even when God meets our needs, why does he do that? So that he might be glorified. So that he might be magnified. That is the purpose of answered prayer. It's his glory. And beloved, as we pray, we need to remember that. We need to pray with that in mind, his glory in mind that he might be magnified. Lastly, now we see that their prayer was answered. Their prayer was answered. Look in verse 31. It says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Ghost, and they spake, they spake the word of God with boldness. Now we've seen that their prayer was unified, it was directed, it was scriptural, it was definite and Christ-honoring. And now lastly, we see that their prayer was answered. Now, verse 31 here, we read that when they finished praying, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, we mustn't confuse this here with the events of Pentecost. It's not the same as Pentecost. At Pentecost, as we saw, they were baptized with the Spirit. The Spirit came to live and dwell within. They're not being baptized here with the Spirit, they're not receiving a second baptism. Now, baptism, as we said, is a once-off event. What's happening here is that they are being filled with the Spirit. They are being controlled by the Spirit, empowered by the spirits. The Lord answers their prayer here, and the Lord now fills them with the Spirit, empowers each of them to accomplish His will. In verse 31, it tells us that in particular they are empowered with boldness. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Their prayer here is answered, isn't it? They prayed for boldness and now God answers. He gives them boldness through the power of the spirits. Christ hears their cry and he equips them to accomplish his will in the task that he's before them, in the present days that they are living in. And beloved, when we pray as these believers did, then we likewise will see the Lord answer our prayers. Because there will be prayers that are in accordance with His will. Our prayers must be unified of one accord. Our prayers must be directed, knowing exactly who it is that we're praying to, knowing our God. Our prayers must be scriptural, based on a knowledge of His word. They must be definite, a desperate request based on who He is and what He has said in the word. And, beloved, they must be prayers for his glory, that he might be magnified here on earth. You know, when our prayers follow this pattern, then we will see God answer our prayers. As we said, not always in the way we want, but God will hear, God will answer the prayer of his saints. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for passages like this, which give us, Lord, great examples of... Brethren, Lord, the early church praying, Lord, we see a pattern for the prayer that uh, the prayer lies in, in each of us as well, Lord. Lord, as a church and also as individuals, Lord, we pray that you help us to remember these truths, Lord. We pray that our prayers would be of one accord, that our prayers would be directed, Lord. We know exactly who you are, what you are like. Lord, our prayers would be based on your word. Lord, they'd be for your glory. Lord, we pray just as we close, may we remember these truths. May we ponder upon these things throughout this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.